What's up, heretics? It's the Religionist Speed Podcast, the show for car nerds by car nerds. I'm Matt Overstreet. And I am Chris Huffman. And you may notice a little bit more echo than normal. We'll, just, we'll see how good Aaron can dial that out. Uh, but this might sound different because we are officially in the new Church of Speed and podcasting in the garage. It feels, uh, it's a holy experience. It really is. I, I think the echo kind of adds to it. There's a, there's some reverb in here, like a church. Right, it just feels like a church. We even have a, the A-frame roof, just like a church. Right? Uh, I mean, and we're looking at, you know, Hamza's GTI and Project Iggy Corolla sitting here in the garage right now. It's, it's just awesome. I know, it's so cool to be able to just look out and see a workshop. And we're obviously going to have varying things taken apart, and it's going to change every time we do this. Right. I'm really excited about that. And eventually, when we actually get the video element added to this, you get to see what we see as well. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be happening pretty soon. Uh, I'm just excited, honestly, to have Iggy up here. Uh, we were going to record the whole adventure of getting Iggy from the old garage up to here. We did I'm, not come prepared. Well, also, I'm kind of glad we didn't because it was pretty uneventful. It was. That thing, it was 404,000 miles on it, and it just starts up and drives like it's brand new. Yeah, I feel like you had an easier time than I did in my truck. Yeah, probably. My <laughs> brakes actually work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was like, I had to fall so far back, and then people kept cutting us off. I'm like, just keep going. Right? Oh, and I swear, every time I came up to a stoplight, it would turn yellow as I was getting up to it. Yeah, I, I, I ran every time. I ran three red lights on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, there was one, I think Aaron probably saw me, like, it, it did that. It turned yellow again as I'm like getting up to it. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this, are you doing this on purpose? Yeah. I didn't uh, want us to roll together. And I saw when that when that officer pulled up mm -hmm. next to us, and I'm like, and I saw you you would not pass him. And I'm like, all right, I love your instincts, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have a bunch of out-of-date, possibly fraud tags. Yeah, I'm we just need to let stay him, far back. Yeah, I'm going to let him go ahead yeah. do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, and I could tell he was looking at us for a second, like, what's going on with this weird caravan? Right, because it was definitely, you could tell we were in a... A caravan together yeah the mexican flag caravan yeah white red and green <laughs> red white and green <laughs> um yeah i was, man i saw that guy turn onto the road as we passed him and i'm like of course yeah of course yeah and well, I, was, I was hoping traffic would build up on the right lane there and it never did so he just came up right next to me yeah and i think he just lost interest and got on the highway which i was very happy to see right but see this is why i put a plate on there right because you know maybe maybe we weren't our quite fully legal selves bringing Iggy up here. Right. But it has a plate on it, so it just, they don't think about it. And that's that's the gamble, right? Right. If, if you have a car with no plate, you can put the wrong plate on it and hope that it just gets you past a glance test. Right. And that nobody runs the plate. Because then it's a lot worse than having no plate. <laughs> right, because then they're like, that is not a 2014 Ford Fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about cars, but I know that's not that. <laughs> yeah, I got a parking ticket, or Jason got a parking ticket with my license plate on his 240. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, at least they were both 240s. Right. So if they ran it and don't pay attention to the VIN, everything's fine. It does now you have to pay that ticket. It's on your yeah, car. Technically. Yeah, now I have to get that ticket paid. Oh, man. But we made it here. Iggy made it here, no problem, except for the uh, the terrible vibration above 50 miles an hour. Well, you said that's a wheel balance thing, right? Yeah, I think I only balanced two of the tires. Oh, okay. So, because I think none of them were balanced, and then I had to flip two of the tires because of just some weird wheel bullshit that was happening with that. Uh, and I balanced those two when I was at the shop, but I was thinking, I don't think I ever balanced those other two <laughs> tires. So... 
even though they're only 14s, there's not that much inertia, but man, 50 miles an hour, that thing was just like... It was vibrating. Yeah, like, it wanted to rip the wheel out of your hands. 45 or 55, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> like 54, it would kind of go away. Okay. So, well, yeah. that's how you know it's a wheel balance issue. Right, if it comes and goes. <laughs> uh, but it was hard to tell what sp speed, too, because the speedometer wasn't working. Yeah, what, you what? were using your GPS, though, which I commend you for, for even doing that because the speedometer doesn't work in my 240, and I just kind of ballpark it. Just like, I don't know, this yeah. sounds about right. Well, it's great because if somebody's like, how fast are you going? I'm like, look, we're only doing 40. Right. The other cool part is my odometer didn't go up at all while I was coming up here. Nice. Because that's connected to the speedometer and yeah. that old mechanical one. That's awesome. So, so uh, you know, just in case I want to resell it, I didn't add any more miles to the 404,000 that are on it. Well, you know, they say that the price drops off when you hit 500,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it really plummets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. When I was, I was talking to my insurance guy about getting insurance on that thing, I was like, get me the cheapest insurance you can. This thing is worth absolutely nothing. And he's like, all right, just send me the VIN and the mileage. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's like, 400,000? Yup. Yep, it's still running, and I do want to insure it. I'm pretty sure that's a, the original engine, too. Wow. I mean, that's a Toyota, man. That's yeah. just it's awesome. The old 4AF, uh, 4AFEs, anyways. You know, it's the economy version of the legendary 4AGE. Right, because the FE is a single overhead cam. Uh, I think it is technically dual still. Is it? Yeah, it has one pulley, if I remember correctly, but then it's uh, gear-driven on the other end of the cam. Oh, that's interesting. So they're geared together. But it's a narrower head and just smaller ports. It's just it's an economy head as opposed to the G, which is meant to make power. Right, a whole 116 horsepower. Yeah, a whole, like, <laughs> 10 more horsepower than the <laughs> F made. I don't know right. really why they bothered, if I'm being honest. But uh, that's one thing, the, the old 4 AGEs, like, I like them. I like the 4AF, too. I'm a, I like these engines. Yeah. But, man, if you're trying to make, like, modern power, oh no, they are terrible engines. Yeah, but, I mean, they're so much fun. Like, I've had a couple 4 AG cars, and just they live at the top of the rev range. Right. They're so happy there. Yeah. Like 9,000 RPM just screaming, attracting all sorts of attention. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the other thing. At some point, we're straight piping Iggy. Awesome. But I'm glad I w it wasn't straight piped this time, just because we don't need to be calling any more attention to Do it. Do we have to pass emissions in Longmont? Well, it's registered to my name well, well, in, yeah, but, in Denver. So. But if we registered it out here at the church, would we have to be able, have to pass emissions? Um, I don't know if you have to do emissions out here or not. This might still be under Jefferson County. Okay. It might be the very tip of it. Because okay. Jefferson County stretches, like, insane distance. Yeah, it's all the way to Golden. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it might be farther up. Uh, but we might not have to. So we might just all start, quote-unquote, living here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with spending as many nights here as I need to, so I don't have to put a cat in my 240. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I am curious if that thing passes emissions, too. It still has a cat. You okay. Know, it's a factory one. Uh, it did blow some smoke for a while, but I think as long as I clear that out before i go there it should be fine yeah well, 44k it or it's obd1 just put a little paint thinner in the gas that too yeah 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 true it is obd1 they're they can't check anything yeah all they're gonna do is probe it so as long as it burns clean right yeah there you go a little 44k bg product or you just said ethanol or uh so that's how i got my eg civic to pass when i lived in tennessee i just put a little paint thinner in the gas and unscrewed oh, the light thinner. bulb for the check engine light <laughs> <laughs> and then they probe it and they're none the wiser hey there's no check engine light on on that yeah so you don't even have to do that i don't even know if like i think there's sensors unplugged and it doesn't turn the check engine light on <laughs> i just don't think it cares <laughs> right yeah so you'll never have a check engine light right 1990 but that's also uh, one cool thing about OBD1 stuff is, like, I can put a standalone ECU in that. Oh, and it'll still pass. Yeah, it'll still pass just fine. 
That's pretty sweet. So with, with all the you know EPA crackdown stuff, just start getting yourself some OBD one cars, people. Like yeah, you can pretty much do whatever. You will have to pass a, a sniffer, but just put a cat on it with some V band clamps, especially, so you can just put it in there when you emissions test, and then take it out if you want. Or here's an idea: just leave the cat in there because it's robbing you of a uh, horsepower. Right. You know. I had to take mine out because it was creating ground clearance issues when I slammed my car. <laughs> well, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. Also, I'd be kind of curious to do that test because um, that catalytic converter is from 1990. It's an old one. It's it's large. Right. I wonder if those ones were more restrictive than the more modern catalytic converters. You know, I, I, I bet that's the case because they've been trying to make cars make more power without adding displacement right you know because of the epa yeah um you know they don't want to cut zero to 60 times but they have to increase fuel mileage so efficiency's been a big push over the past now that car's 32 years old right yeah. <laughs> jesus That's, we're old we are old people <laughs> that that car is only three years younger than i am so it's looking good right yeah it's, it's not bad you can check out the uh uh religious Pete instagram I, I posted a picture earlier of uh, the Jelly Bean and Iggy next to each other. It was just nice to have both cars out yeah. and sitting there together, out in the sun. I'm excited to have all the project cars in one picture. Oh, dude, we're going to, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. You're going to come around the corner here, around the garage, and like probably we'll have a bunch of them parked out there because we'll have too many cars to fill the garage. Yes. <laughs> you know, or too many cars to fit in the garage. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. This this facility, we're right next to the drift track. Mm -hmm. Like we're one exit away from IMI. Yeah, it's really not that far at all. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to finally get the you know Hamza and Aaron, who is chilling with us right now, just being quiet. Yeah, just sitting here hanging out, <laughs> listening to the boys. We're now sitting on a couch, so this is just an incredibly comfortable way to podcast. Oh yeah, that too. We're no longer at a desk. We are couch casting for sure. Yes, I like it. Uh, but I think next time we need to get the four mic setup going somehow and so we can all do a crew cast next next time yeah next time we'll have a, the official setup we'll have uh, the capacity for guests and uh i'll be at my little desk in the corner just listening but also uh with the ability to talk back and uh give my two cents when it's not necessarily warranted or wanted <laughs> that's your favorite thing to do though that is how i live yeah <laughs> i mean uh, that's what it's all about right right just just chiming in whenever you want. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're this is a casual podcast. Yeah. We, we have a slight structure, but we break it all the time. That's true. I mean, we had like almost no structure last time. That's true, and I thought that came out pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but this one, we do have a little bit more structure. And actually, we have a we had a perfect segue that I broke it up with the whole crew cast thing because we're talking about emissions and EPA shit. And uh, Cobb has been recently talking about that and causing quite a stir online. Uh, I've, I've heard this called Cobgate, and I, whoever came up with that, I want to punch him in the dick. <laughs> it's uh, not a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. And yeah. also, Watergate wasn't about fucking water. <laughs> yeah, but now we've appropriated all that. Drifting had tire gate. No, no, stop. Stop adding <laughs> gate to the end of things. That's not what that, not what that means, and it's not a controversy anyways. I don't even think Zoomers know who Nixon was. Probably not. Yeah. Which is... Probably the best thing for... If we could just for collectively forget about Nixon and Reagan, I think that'd be a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully eventually Trump as well. That's going to be a while. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. It keeps popping up. Anywho, um, Cobb has brought out their green speed update. What this is, is they are making changes to their pro-level tuning software. So, you know, if you get a Cobb access port, you get your pre-done uh, right. tunes on there. And yeah. then if you go to another tuner, they can send you a tune... They have a software they can do on their laptop to do all the changes they need to do 
uh, and then send you the file. Yeah, uh, upload it to your access port. Yeah, exactly. So these are changes made to that pro-level software that is basically removing a lot of options from that are like EPA things. Right, I, things that the EPA considers emissions workarounds. Yes, uh, emissions de defeat device is what right. they're, they consider it. Right, which I talk about terms to hate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, I mean, but that's the problem, though, is it did have those options in there. It, it had did. the options to, you know, turn off your monitor for your CAT or your O2 sensors or your EGRs or, you know, any of those monitors it had different, uh, you know, ways to get around emissions. Right, because a lot of times if you're going for a big power tune, you have to get around those. Right. Um, well, you know, if you're running a catless downpipe or if, like, the older Mazda Speed 3s and Mazda Speed 6s, I know a lot of people uh, deleted the EGR off of them. And so you could just delete the EGR, it wouldn't set any right. codes and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, of course, people are up in arms right now about the fact that, you know, I've heard that, I've heard comments about how Cobb is dead now. And I'm like, you, people, like, yeah, I guarantee they didn't even read this article. Well, and the thing is, it's unfortunate. EPA restrictions are unfortunate for our hobby at this point. Um, all these shops, especially the just gas tuners, like FD86 Speed Factory that had to pay fines. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like that, that that was an inappropriate direction of resources. Um, and I feel like it was just done to justify what they did to the diesel guys, who absolutely needed some crackdown at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but they're handling it better than some of these, these other companies. When I was at K-Series, we had to drop Honda entirely because they didn't stand up and back their vendors at all. Right. They just said, oh, well, we were selling these for off-road use only. If you're selling them to street people, that's your fault. The owner ran off to New Zealand to hide, hide from COVID, and they just didn't help us. Right. Um, and, and that's not the way to handle this. Um, and I'm glad to see Cobb is, is taking a different approach. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that we have to do this, but unfortunately in the States we do have to do this if, if these companies want to stay viable and if third parties want to be able to continue to sell them. Right, exactly. Um, so that I'm, I, I'm sad that this is the reality, but I'm glad that Cobb is adapting to it in the way that they are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, fully getting, like, you know, the CARB executive orders and stuff like that. They're working with CARB to make sure the parts they sell and the tunes they sell will be emissions compliant in California. Yeah, you know? which means they're compliant here in Colorado. Yeah, exactly, because, of course, we're mini Cal California anymore, it yep. seems like. We um, had to adopt that in 2021. Yeah, I, I still hate, I still hate the fact that we got to get uh, catalytic converters that are up to CARB spec now. Yeah. It's because it's... Well, for a while there, they were impossible to find. Right, and now they're double the cost. Right. I, I mean, if you have a $3,000 Honda Odyssey, which I unfortunately had a neighbor in this predicament. He had a $3,000 Honda Odyssey. Somebody stole his cat. Mm -hmm. He went to a shop, and he was quoted $5,000 to replace it. Yeah, total dope. Right. He had to sell it to somebody in Wyoming. Yeah. Because they can use whatever cats they want. Right. So I have heard there's people, a lot of people around here that will just uh, drive their car up to Wyoming and get a cat put on it and drive it back. I bet there's a ton of muffler shops like right over the border, right? Like in that, Casper. Yeah, <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> They're just making bank off the, off of Coloradians. Yeah, it, it's almost just like the same people up in Wyoming that sell longer uh, uh, or larger capacity magazines. Right. Yeah, or fireworks or fireworks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like there's a whole market in Wyoming of just illegal shit we can't have in Colorado. Yeah, and Coloradians love to they don't like to be told by the government what to do. No. That's why we legalized weed in this state. Well, it's funny cuz I feel like there is a, a like 
you got that subsect in like in Denver and Boulder kind of area that are all about like about the submission stuff and about that. And then there's like the rest of the state. Right. That is just like, no, leave us alone. Well, yeah. Golden and Boulder are so different demographically and they're right next to each other. Yeah. Like I, I work in Golden right now and people are like, oh, this is becoming Boulder. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's hilarious because it's like Boulder's right there, guys. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. right next door. Uh, but yeah. So get back to Cobb and what people are like, people are freaking out. And you may notice the title of this episode is The Sky Is Not Falling. Because <laughs> uh, while this, the, yes, there are some more restrictions now. And it does suck that we can't turn off check engine lights and stuff like that for P0420s or right. whatever. The uh, most common code. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the catalyst system inefficiency bank one. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I've was a also a of... uh, friend of the show, Chris Heil, posted a meme on 420. He was like, happy uh, catalyst system inefficient <laughs> inefficient bank one day yeah, below uh, threshold below threshold thank you yeah that's yeah i've sold so many o2 sensors to people for those <laughs> and it's and it didn't fix it no it's the cat usually yeah 99 percent of the time well people are willing to spend 100 bucks on an o2 sensor instead of three grand on a carb certified cat right uh but yeah so you are losing some things with uh the new software but you still will be able to modify all your fuel and your ignition tables your you know uh, boost table, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that really makes power. Right. Uh, there might have to be some workarounds now for if you're running a catalyst downpipe, well, I bet you the defouler market on eBay is going to fucking take off now. <laughs> you know, just the, the O2 spacers. Oh, and those those allow you to... Uh, yeah, like... it, so, yeah, it's just a spacer that goes in your rear O2 sensor, okay. which is the one that monitors your catalytic converter. It spaces it out from the exhaust gases, so that way it it pretty much tricks the sensor into reading flat, right. which the ECU interprets as, hey, this catalytic converter is working great. That's hilarious, and you have no catalytic converter. Right, and I know it works because that's how the Fiesta is right now. Awesome. <laughs> I said after I made fun of people for running catalyst <laughs> downpipes. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've heard you say don't run catalyst downpipes a lot on this yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, I, I actually want to change back to a catted downpipe, um, but I just haven't got around to it yet because I'm just... Part of me is like, okay, if I'm going to talk this shit, I need to not run a catalyst downpipe. At right. the time, though, when I was buying them, nobody had catalyst downpipes in stock. It was hard to find them. And, and then once we had the carb restriction, it was even harder to find them. Right. Um, uh, now, like, yeah, uh, Woosh Motorsports has them back in stock, so I'm probably going to buy one. They're not that expensive. And that way I can... Because uh, in like two more years, I think it'll have to actually get a, a sniffer test. Right now, they just do an OPT2. Oh, uh, just a plug and play. Yeah, they just check for codes. So, okay, you know you got got to work around it. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of workarounds, so people were, you know. Anyways, you can you can still do your tuning. You can still make more power, but you might have some check engine lights, or you might have stuff like this. But here's the thing: uh, is oh, and they removed any sort of flex fuel capability. Interesting. So yeah. so the ethanol tuners are going to have some trouble. Yeah. So like uh, with I think with some Nissans and the Subarus, you could make them run flex fuel there was like an add-on kit you could do yeah uh we actually did that on andrew's subaru we added the uh, uh old co-worker of mine uh his sti we put a flex fuel kit in it It was kind of weird how it worked you like you plugged in the flex fuel kit into a different sensor port and then you told the cob what you had done and it changed how, what signals the ecu sends out or how it interprets those signals from the ecu and now it runs it as a flex fuel sensor that's really neat. Which right. sensor do you plug it in? I don't remember if I'm being honest, but it was 
it was crazy that it was plug and play. Yeah, that's really cool because everybody loves to run those ethanol tunes. I mean, they're making a lot more power on those tunes. Right. Um, so they did remove that. That's probably the biggest thing on here that I see that's going to affect like a lot of people. Um, you know, not being able to turn off your check engine light is a pain, but we can make workarounds for that. Uh, but there's two two things here. This is a software update. You know, so the newest version of the Cobb Pro tuner software is going to have these restrictions. Well, I don't know about you. I've been a computer nerd for a long time. Uh, you know, if you were like trying to run like a hacked version of Photoshop or something, right? You couldn't use the newest version. You had to get an older version yeah. and then apply the the crack to it and stuff. Yeah. Well, there's you, no, there's absolutely no reason you can't just remove or make it so it doesn't update. Yeah. And run the old software. And you can still one run that old software and that hey that'll run up the price on some of these older softwares. Right. But they're still going to be available. Or you know there's going to be some torrents going around. Pirate Bay that shit. Pirate Bay, your, your tuning software. Right. Or the other thing I noticed when I actually read this article, you know, unlike some people that don't actually read the articles, is all those features are still there, but they're locked. Oh, okay. So, so instead of them going through and rewriting the entire program, yeah, they just locked those things. So this is like the hot coffee mod in Grand Theft Auto San Exactly. Andreas. How long is it going to be till somebody just like, here's your patch. Yeah. There you go. It's unlocked. And there you go. You know, and that, that, that means Cobb is, you know, they provided the software, it's locked, it's, you know, it's out there. If somebody wants to modify their software, which is actually illegal because it's proprietary software. Right. I mean, as long as they don't go after them, you right. know. Well, you've, they've voided the user agreement at that point. Right, and exactly. at that point, it's okay because we're car guys and we spend all of our time voiding user agreements. Right. So that's, that, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, then it takes the liability off of Cobb puts it back on the individual, which, let's face it, is where it belongs. That's Our whole hobby's been built around that. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I like that those workarounds still exist. Yeah, they're, they're going to be there. You know, they're, uh, if you consider the people that are buying Cobb tunes right now, you got, like, your Nissan guy, your GTR guys, your Subaru guys, your, you know, Ford guys and stuff like that. A lot of those guys that I know that drive those cars are software engineers. <laughs> somebody out there is going to be like, I right. got this. Like, like we, we can figure this out. No there big deal. are a lot of IT guys at track days. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so They've got the nicest cars usually. True. Yeah. And then stupid people like me that became a mechanic to work on cars, you know, working on our old Corollas and shit. But <laughs> Hey, the IT guys pay you to fix their car. This is true. I just got to start charging more. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, the sky is not falling. Uh, there is going to be, you know... There's the whole slippery slope argument. This is the beginning of them cracking down and stuff like that. Right. But the, the truth is, if we play nice and, you know, give them a little bit right now. And spend more money on lobbyists. And spend more money on lobbyists, yes. Yeah. Um, which I have in my possession right now, the SEMA News magazine. Oh, cool. Uh, we, get, we actually got this at the shop, which was really cool. Um, yeah, there is, I guess I'll just go right into this right now. There is now a individual member. You can become an individual member of SEMA. It used to be you had to be a, a company okay. to become part of the SEMA network. But they have an individual thing. It's I think they said $40 annually, which annually means yearly, right? Yeah, that's nothing. Right? Yeah. It's nothing. You get a hat, you get a sticker saying you support this stuff, and it gives them the money they need to uh, run their lobbying group. Sorry, their uh, super PAC. Right. Not, oh, sweet. Not, Super PAC. Yeah, not lobbying group. Right. Uh, although there is a lobbying group, too. Yeah, well, that means we're funding people 
before they get into office. Right, yeah. exactly. I like that. You get people on our side earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I we talked about it last time, uh, last podcast, maybe the one before. Uh, of all the, the companies out there, all the people out there doing good stuff for us tuners, SEMA is definitely that. It's not just a once a year trade show. Yeah. You know, it is, they are working in the background to get laws signed and make it so that way we can keep going. And with individual membership, they might end up with the the same amount of resources the NRA used to have. And look what they accomplished. <laughs> right? Yeah, geez, they changed everything. Um, there was one article in here I wanted to briefly mention. And let's see if I could find it real quick. Uh, oh, yeah, they're also working on, like, right to repair stuff, too. So oh, nice. Even if you're not a tuner, yeah, go support SEMA because we need to get right to repair in every yeah. everything like yeah. the fact that manufacturers are locking us out of more and more shit in their cars cars that you bought right that you own right yeah and and i mean it's a shame because i mean tesla is setting a new standard for that they're treating it like an apple device oh man from my my tesla class i took at uh stx that shit is that shit is ridiculously locked down but as that as with everything there's always a way around it um but yeah i just wanted to bring up so there was uh, this is the reason you you talk to your senators, you email them, you go do things like become the, a SEMA member. Uh, so there's a racetrack, it's a dirt circle track in California that got closed down during COVID just because they couldn't bring any money in. Right. Uh, but people actually uh, encouraged the the government to actually buy this and preserve this racetrack. Wow. Yeah, so in California at that. And and they actually did it? The state bought the track? Yeah. Um, let's see. First opened in 1938. So this is an old dirt track. So they got historical status. Yeah. So it got it's a historic thing, you know? That's cool. Um, but this is just what... I don't want to go into it too much, but SEMA pair te- teamed up with individuals to try to get the government to do this, and they did. Like, you can make changes. Like, yeah. If you, if you bug your government enough yeah you can get them to make changes and stuff and throw enough money at politicians they'll do what you want right and i love it because in this article uh from sema they even say he here here's the list of the people uh that did this write them a letter thanking them you know it's not just so much to bug them but be like hey we appreciate this you did what we wanted like we bugged you you caved thank you yeah exactly (laughs) you know we had to pressure you but uh yeah that's what it takes like yeah uh the more I've just been thinking more and more about government stuff and shit yeah. as I get older, I think. But it's just like if we want to make any changes, we can't just sit back and be complacent. That's no. what got us to this situation as it is. No, we you have know. to bribe public officials, right? Yeah, yeah we that, do. That's that's how you get things done in America. That that's the system we made. Yeah. So if we want to play the game, or if we want to be in the game, we got to play the game. Yeah, voting may or may not get what you want done, but money will. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, go talk to your, you know, go talk to your, or write letters to your senators and your governors and whoever, just write them, the, whatever government official you can think of. Yeah. Uh, you know, make sure they want to support the RPM Act. Talk to them about that still. That's still going. Um, and then hopefully we won't see, and if we give the EPA their little shit like this, hopefully we can stomp it out right there. Right. And as long as we have access, because we need ECU tuning capability. Right. We can't swap engines. We can't increase boost levels we can't make big power without this you know so um i'm just happy to see that that cob is still is still there they're adapting to the times um well and i also think you know ecu tuning software and 
just right to repair and having everything open like that is yes, you're going to have that small percentage of people that like abuse it. Right. But when we're going into the future right now, the one of the best things you can do besides, you know, everybody's like, oh, buy an electric car. It's the best thing you could do. I'm like, no, the best thing you can do, I've said it multiple times, buy a 1990 Corolla and drive the thing till it dies 20 right. years from now. Drive it till the wheels fall off. Yeah. And nobody's mining lithium for that. that. Right. It, it, it's been manufactured. We're not manufacturing and transporting and doing all that bullshit yeah uh also i put gas in this thing before we left i don't think that gas gauge moved does the, the gas gauge work though it does oh sweet okay yeah. no it does it, it, it cool. didn't move from halfway for the whole drive up here oh that is awesome like that i think awesome. this thing gets like 45 miles of the gallon yeah and that's there there are plenty of hybrids that get worse mileage than that <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah and and even the people who abuse it that small percentage we're not the ones wrecking the world Right, you know, like where where most of the pollution in the world does not come from the Honda that with the exhaust coming through the hood. Right, no, I mean, sure, is that good for the environment? Technically, no, but no. It, it, the grand scheme of things, it's such a small drop of anything in this ocean of exactly, you know, where there's giant tubes of water or get, you know. Yeah. Whatever you want to, however, this analogy is not breaking down. Uh, <laughs> the, the diesel truck that delivered food to your grocery store. That is polluting a lot more than the hobbyist at Bandemir Dragway. Right. And I mean, there is an argument there that like, because of how uh, semis work, you know, they're transporting a lot of goods. Right. I mean, some of the most fuel efficient vehicles actually are trains, even though they're diesel. Yeah. Because they transport sense. so much goods for the amount of fuel they use. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I think part of the reason EPA is actually cracking down on little guys right now, though, is the same reason the uh, IRS is cracking down on little guys. Right. They, they don't, can't afford to go after the bigger guys. Yeah, they don't have the, the money they need to go after, like, Exxon. Right. Exxon has billions of dollars in lawyers. Right. You know? And well, the, our tax code is so complex right. that in order to go after those guys, I mean, they need that manpower. I personally... Don't want to see the IRS get any more funding. I just want the tax code to be simplified enough to where the IRS doesn't need to be this bloated behemoth right. that you know works off of this just horrible malice. Right. Like they, I mean, I feel like it, there's there's inefficiency and there's stupidity and then there's malice and that's where the IRS lives. Right. It, I, I don't know because the the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, okay, yes, like actually funding the EPA and actually funding the IRS actually gets their back, gets them off of us. Because that way they can go after the bigger people that have, you know, give them more bigger paychecks. Yeah, I mean, that if if billionaires were taxed the same way we were, you know, right. then maybe we wouldn't need to lose a third of our check every time. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. That's that's a strange argument, you know. Yeah. There's like, different sides to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, I truly, truly do thank the EPA because they got their funding cut during uh, Trump. Yeah. You know, and what did they do? They started coming after the little guys because they don't have the funds to go after the big guys now. Yeah, they really did make a big show of coming after people who really weren't doing anything wrong mm -hmm. and for, didn't have the money to pay them. Right, because for a long time, they just did, they didn't pay attention to that. They're like, yes, we know it's happening, but it's small fries and we're not going to deal with it. Right. Well, now that's the only... Because they know the local tuning shop doesn't have the resources they need to fight the EPA. Right. So yeah. why not go after them? Because they can get their funding that way. And uh, when it comes down to it, every government agency has to bring in income, which is bonkers. Yeah. The, they expect the postal service to bring in profit. Yeah, that's why you can buy, you know, stamps with, with coffee cups and, and cats on them. Yeah, but the postal service is a service. It's not, it's not a business. Right. Stop trying to run it like a business. Right, the BBC doesn't run ads. 
Right. Because it's government subsidized. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, anyways, before we get into too much uh, leftist bullshit, <laughs> uh, let, let's move on. How many people do you think we lost just now? I don't know. I think <laughs> if they're still with us, <laughs> they have to know by now. Um, anyways, let's go from some, uh, you know, some bad news from Cobb to some bad news from Toyota. And I want to say I called this. You, you did call this. You I, called this. And, but do you, you really consider this to be that bad of news? The fact that they're they're bringing the Toyota Crown over here, but it's an SUV. It's an SUV. Yes, that's bad news. The Toyota Crown was an awesome giant sedan. It was cool. That one with the TV in the steering wheel we saw at that meet. That was oh yeah, so neat. <laughs> I mean, I I love Toyota Crowns. They're just that that was like the the seven series of Toyota. It was. You know. It was. And I just feel like the SUV is the new sedan. I it is. I know it is. But but I that's was, a sad fact. It it is. You know, the fact the same way. The 7 Series gave way to the X7. Yes, which is hideous. Yeah, terrible looking. Yeah. Uh, the Toyota Crown gave way to the Crown... What the fuck do I call this? Killinger? I don't know. Okay, that's... Yeah, that's a shitty name. Killinger? <laughs> I think that's what it says on that bad. Clunger. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> Toyota Crown <laughs> Clunger. K-L-U... Kluger? Kluger. Crown oh, yeah, there's, Kluger. There's no N in there, is there? Kluger? Crown Kluger, German. right? Yeah, it does. Are they really trying to like? I guess they're trying to compete with the German brands. They're trying to get you to buy this instead of that hideous X7. Right, exactly. And I will admit, for a full size SUV, I kind of, I mean, I love that grill. The front end looks good. Yeah, you know. But I, uh, I hate to lose a sedan. Yeah. Wait, are these sedan mock-up images? So the the Crown sedan still exists. I just don't think we're ever going to get it in America. Okay, we'll just see. We'll the, just see the, the Kluger. Yeah, the Kluger. Which I mean, from Toyota, like it makes sense. They're never actually going to sell. Like if they even if they sold the sedan here, they'll sell twenty of them. Right. And, right. You know that's always how it works. But we'll see a million of these SUVs on the road. You know. Oh yeah. Within because I mean I'm imagining this is going to be. Maybe not quite at the price point of a Lexus, um, but you'll get most of the same amenities. So, I mean, it's a Toyota. It's it's going to be nice on the inside. Um, and, yeah, it'll probably be a little bit cheaper than, than whatever the Lexus RX number is now. Yeah, I was going to say, this is just the cheaper Lexus for yeah. sure. But, yeah, I'm sure they'll sell a crap ton of them, honestly. We'll, we'll see them all around Denver. I mean, you know how many F-paces I see? So many F-paces. I'm like, I yeah. didn't think this would... You know, hell, I see whatever the Lamborghini SUV is. I see like four of those around town. Right. And I don't even think that there, I think there's only like a few hundred in the country. Right. But Denver got like a big chunk of them. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it's Colorado. So you got to have your SUV for the three days it snows here. Right. And I bet they don't even drive their Uruses in the snow. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> they probably come with summer tires on them anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Anyways, Toyota Crown coming to America as an SUV. Called it like five, you, ten podcasts ago. You did call this. You said if it comes to America, it'll be an SUV. At least it's not a crossover. It's like a, it's a big SUV. If this was a crossover, I would 100% agree with you that there's no good news here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I still, I'm never going to buy it. But Well, no, I'm never going to buy it, but I'm not the kind of person who buys a luxury SUV. Right. So, but hey. We can move on from our bad news, or what I thought was bad news. I thought, guess you thought it was middling news. I, yeah, I think it's you know, I, I think it's cool to see the crown badge come back on anything. Right. True. At least I can get the badge now. Yeah. You can it, get that badge. You can put it on Iggy. Yes, I need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually got three stories coming up here now that are all good news. Awesome. I love good news. Um, 
Renault, of all people, is releasing a, or released a teaser for their hydrogen combustion concept. So oh, that is cool. Not only is Toyota working on this with Yamaha. Right. Uh, now we got Renault, who is in alliance with... Nissan. Nissan. So that might be interesting. Yeah, we might actually see some Nissan hydrogen power plants that are cheaper and slightly less reliable than the Toyota counterparts. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely less reliable. Um, but this got me thinking, I'm sure this, this looks like another CUV because everything's a crossover SUV at, at this point. Yeah. But it's just a teaser. Um, I honestly didn't read the, the article too much because they just talk about the the car, like how it looks and stuff in the teaser. The fact is, yes, Renault is working on hydrogen combustion. That means there are many manufacturers now uh, working on hydrogen internal combustion. And the fact that Renault is paired with Nissan, I'm thinking R36. Oh, wow. R36 hydrogen powered. Because they were saying, hey, we're going to move to electric. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, ah, I don't know if that's really what I want on my GTR. Right. Could they still make internal combustion with hydrogen? And you know how the Japanese just love their hydrogen anyways. Right. Toyota has been trying to make that work for a long time, but granted, that was a fuel cell. Um, yeah. Could we see a GTR hydrogen combustion? That would be very neat. I'd love to see that. Um, I mean, these exhaust notes of these things sound just fantastic. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I want to see more internal combustion in the future. Um, and you know, hey, your exhaust is just water. Right. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, it's just water vapor. Yeah. I, I mean, that. that's actually, in my opinion, that's more green than a, a lithium-powered uh, electric car. Right. And because that lithium-powered electric car is going to have, what, a 10-year life? You right. know, optimistically. Yeah. And then, oh, look, we got to recycle that. Or, you know, it, it can be blown up in Scandinavia. Right. <laughs> or it can catch fire. And then, oh, we got to, no? Okay. I, I thought we had an interjection going here, but. Uh. Well, I thought about it. And, and I didn't mean to, like, raise my, my hand, which is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because I have no mic this time. Oh, so so that's going to be great for the video podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, but if you think about it, I mean, wouldn't these sell really well in California where there's no water and all these places that are, you know what I mean? Can That's some true. Sort of like awkward recovery systems so we can. I didn't think about that. Hold, hold on. Can you make hydrogen out of uh, seawater? I think you need to use electrolysis because you have to, you, I think you still have to separate the salt. Yeah, okay. There's, there's desalinization plants. Yeah. That do that, but then. Well, I was just wondering if it's easier to make it into hydrogen than it is to make it into just water again. Uh, Cause then you could like, what I was thinking is you could desalinate it into hydrogen and then burn it in cars so it makes water. And then the right. water just goes, yeah, like you said, just pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Like if everyone in Colorado was driving hydrogen, would we still be in a drought? Right. That is a, that's interesting a question. Point. Can we seed clouds by driving around in the mountains? Exactly. Right. Because then yeah. all that water vapor would essentially, it would get more humid. Yeah. The planet might get fucking really humid. Right. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's so dry here. We can afford a little bit of humidity. I'll take a bunch of green over the brown that I'm seeing driving up and down I-25 now. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that is an interesting concept. I, I love that idea. Yeah. We can save the world we by could, hauling ass. Well, yeah. We could fix droughts. Yeah. And we can be more efficient than uh, electric cars and still have internal combustion. Yeah, we can still hear loud exhaust notes and be like, oh no, of course I don't have a catalytic converter. I'm trying to save the planet. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm making drinking water here. Right, right. That rain yesterday, that's because of me. Thank you. 
Oh man, that that is interesting. Now I I am kind of curious though with all these hydrogen cars, uh, a what like the fuel mileage would be. Yeah, because the the efficiencies we've been seeing have been really really low. Right. But so it's like, new technology. Right. Of course. Uh, so like, is the cost per gallon of hydro pound of hydrogen? So I guess they do weight. It's uh, it's yeah. Uh, I, I think I sent you guys that picture of that. Now, this was a plug-in hybrid-style um, fuel cell. Uh, yeah. It's the only hydrogen-powered Hyundai in the state of Colorado. Mm. Um, and that had it, um, it, had it labeled uh, the efficiency as kilograms per 100 miles, and then it was also kilowatt-hours because it was a hybrid. Right. But I, I have no idea How, what an efficient kilogram per 100-mile number looks like. Right. I don't know, I don't know that... Co that uh, conversion there. I have no point of reference <laughs> right <laughs> it's like is that good is that bad I don't yeah. know um but so there's that like is this ever going to be or are you going to be spending a hundred dollars to fill this up to go 50 miles right you right know? and I think initially it might look like that because there there are hydrogen fuel filling stations in California and New York mm -hmm. as far as I know those are the only ones in the states there is or at least publicly there is a hydrogen research facility in Golden. Oh, yeah. And they're the ones who bought this hydrogen-powered Kona as their security vehicle. Oh, okay. Because they have, uh, they have the, the facilities to fill up these fuel cells. I think there's, like, one or two in Colorado. But I think okay. they're meant for, like, uh, uh, like industrial equipment. So Because there's some stuff that runs off hydrogen. Okay, okay. But there's not, like, a publicly ac accessible hydrogen station. Right. Yeah, yeah. not as far as I know. Um, so yeah, there, of course you have, you know, infrastructure as well. And it seems like we're already going to electric infrastructure. So that might be a hard one to break. Right. Um, my other question was though, the tanks in these, uh, to get a hydrogen tank that's going to be able to withstand, uh, collisions. Yes. Wrecks, stuff like that. Cause right. we all know what happens to hydrogen. Right. Oh, the humanity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need another one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, like I said before, Teslas are lighting on fire, too. So They are. I mean, if you, you know, get, you get too much of a buzz and fire your handgun through the floor of your Tesla, <laughs> and then it catches on fire. And then you put it out, and then three days later, it catches on right. fire again. <laughs> and you, you show up, you can't put it out with water. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, at, at least the hydrogen, you know, when it goes up, will go up really quick and then be done. That's true. It'll, <laughs> it'll go really quick. It'll rain at that location, and then it'll be over. I was just you're basically driving around with a bomb in your car, which I think might be a little hard for people to to get over. But I mean, realistically, you're driving around on a fuel tank, which is not nowhere near as volatile. But mm -hmm. I mean, technically, all cars are some form of bomb. True. You've got a bomb in your steering wheel. If yeah. You, if you're listening, driving around, you've got one right in front of your face right now. Yep. Well, I mean, some cars do. That's true. <laughs> I, I removed mine. Yeah. <laughs> because I was afraid of the bomb. Uh, but like, I don't know, like people freak out about like the Tesla batteries going up in flames or, you know, the whole hydrogen thing being explosive. But I feel like we've, we've just become comfortable with the fact that gasoline is explosive and uh, flammable. Right. Right. You know, and eventually we'll get comfortable with the other two as well. I, Humans I adapt so. so well. We do. And the more technology and the more resources we mine, the more we're, you know, going to figure out how to make things that explode unintentionally. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of progress. We do like to make things that explode. We do. It's just a human nature thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting jazzed for our hydrogen combustion future. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I'm really excited to see how these engines develop. 
um, especially once we start to see them in like Koenigseggs and Porches, mm-hmm. because I think that's when we're going to see some real forward leaps. Um, and I think it's cool that companies like Renault and Toyota are doing it on the lower level. Um, right. Like, I want to hear exhaust notes into the future. Yeah, exactly. Electric cars are awesome. They have oh, don't so worry. much torque. Don't but... worry. Even with electric cars, you'll probably hear some quote-unquote exhaust notes. Oh, yeah, like I don't, choir I... of angels driving down the road. Right. <laughs> I just think there's going to... there. As we transition, it's kind of like with CVT transmissions, how they had to make them shift. Right. You have to make your electric car make noise because <laughs> people just expect that. There's going to be a point in the future that goes away because people get used to it. Well, I'm worried about liability for the electric car noise because there were blind people in New York that were suing electric car makers because they were getting hit. Yeah. Because they couldn't hear it coming. Yeah. And so at a certain point, it's a safety feature, but it's getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. The the, the choir of angels backing up noise on the, the Toyota was just like, yeah, we can just do a, a beep. Yeah. In fact, that's, that'd be better because if I hear a choir of angels, I'm not going to be like, oh God, I got to move. I'm yeah. like, oh, I guess I'm going to heaven now. <laughs> <laughs> you're making peace with the fact that you're going to get run yeah, over. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, this is, this is my fate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The Hyundai Kona's the, um, and the Ionics, the electric ones, whenever I hear them in the drive, I'm like, that is a ridiculous Iron Man sound effect <laughs> as these things drive through the service drive. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I think at a certain point, I don't know if it'll be standardized or if people yeah, will just sure be able to point. upload their own noises or that. Yeah, somebody will hack that shit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you guarantee it. Um, so speaking of internal combustion going on into the future, uh, Mazda is pretty much saying the Miata is going to be internal combustion until they literally cannot do it anymore. I was so happy when I read this article because that's the soul of the Miata, right? And let's face it, the the Miata is not a big polluter. No. <laughs> it's, a r- it's a tiny engine. Tiny car. Yep. Great yeah. gas mileage. Right, right. My Miata, you know, even with all of its inefficiencies, even burning a quart of oil every two weeks still gets 35 miles to the gallon. Oh, that reminds me. Remind me before we leave, I got to check the oil on Iggy just to make sure I didn't burn a ton. Uh, <laughs> but, I gotcha. You drove it quite a ways today. Yeah, this is the longest I've ever driven that car. Um, but yeah, like... Yeah, even with the old NAs yeah. with the little truck motor in them, yeah. you know, they still I still got like 30s. Yeah, they for get, sure. They get great mileage. I mean, the Miata is is that should be the last car you can buy with a gasoline engine. <laughs> right? Yeah, the the big V8s I can see them going away, but come on. Yeah, come I mean, on. Look at that face. Yeah, look at that cute <laughs> face. How can you say no to that? Right. Its name means Miata is always the answer. And, yeah, and I'm happy to know that it'll continue to be the answer. Yeah, it'll be the answer for small, affordable, internal combustion sports car. Yeah. So I, I'm super excited with that. What that means? Like, what are they gonna do? Um, I don't know. We've seen Toyota come out with a, you know turbo three-cylinder now for the Corolla and the RS that kicks ass. Yeah, it makes crazy power. And that's more power than any Miata has ever made. Yeah. I could see them, if they want to make, what, they want to make around 200 horsepower, it seems like. That yeah. seems to be their their sticking point. Right, right. Because, I mean, that's about where we want to be in modern times. For I mean, the BRZ makes 200 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What does the Civic Si make now? Like about 15? 200. Yeah. Yeah. About so, 200. I mean, it's all close, you know? Yeah. For those small Fiesta makes 200-ish, you know. Um, That's the fun number. Right. But I can see as technology increases, especially if they, I can see like a three-cylinder camless motor with a little turbo. Yeah. Like one liter. 
could make 200 horsepower in this little thing. And yeah. As you're cruising, it gets like 55, 60 miles of the gallon. And you can still wind it out and hear it and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, exactly. I want to see them stack six of those mini wankles they're putting in the MX-30s. Is <laughs> the, the little tiny point yeah, seven the ones that ones. are actually the size of Doritos. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. If they could, uh, if they could make that pass emissions. Yeah, yeah, um, that's optimistic. But yeah, so they said in this article that Mazda has their electrification goal, but that, you know, it seems like that's going to be, they're going to try to electrify the whole other, the rest of the lineup before they ever move to the Miata. Right. I mean, the crossovers, the SUVs, the sedans, the hatchbacks, those all need to see electric motors first. Yeah. Well, and also that's the ones they sell the most of anyways. Right. They're the ones that finance the Miata. Yeah, exactly. The Miata is a, a thing that's in the corner for our, for enthusiasts to yeah. enjoy. And the fact that they keep making it is, I and the it. fact that they make it in that orange that orange color is amazing. That was Although the, that was the, that was the anniversary. 30th anniversary edition, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I still want to pick one of those up. And, at some and point. it comes with front Brimbos too. Does it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I I need one. I needed an ND. I want to know what the NE is going to look like. Right. Because with this message, I'm thinking we'll actually see a gas-powered NE. Well, so NA and NBs are basically the same underneath. NC was a big change. It was. Uh, ND was a big change. I kind of think the NE is going to be uh, still this chassis. I think we're going to see a big update, but a lot of interchangeable parts. And I, I believe that. I mean, this this is the lightest weight rear-wheel drive chassis on the market. I yeah. mean, other companies are sourcing it to build their cars. True. So, yeah, Fiat. Yeah. I always forget the Fiat exists. Right? I mean, it's it's a Miata. Right? <laughs> and it has a little 1.4 liter turbo engine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm told that uh, based on the reviews, it basically, it makes more torque. The Miata makes more power. Yeah. Based on that. how you drive it. But I'm sure you could tune that little four-cylinder. Yeah. Yeah, you've got boots. Or the little 1.4, yeah. Make it a little bit better. Um, I don't know. It's just exciting to hear that, you know, we're still going to have some internal combustion. And it, it does seem like people are kind of leaning into the whole fact of, or coming around to the fact of the same things we've been saying. Like, electrification alone isn't going to save us. Right. And also, most of the electrification that's happening is half-ass electrification, which like I talked about last podcast. But that is hilarious. And and I, I feel like somebody who just like found out some crazy truth. I've been w walking around telling people that. <laughs> yeah. And be like, do you know some of these hybrids just replace the alternator with an electric motor? Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. That, and they were like, it's a hybrid. Yeah. Now here, it's technically a hybrid. Yeah. Here, government, we yeah. did our homework. <laughs> yeah. <You> know. <laughs> Look, we did it. We we made good. All of our our whole line is hybrids. Yeah. They all get five more miles to the gallon. Right. Which, hey, is an improvement for sure, but yeah. it's not the the crazy jump that we we're expecting. Yeah, and it's certainly not what people who who don't really know as much about how these systems work were. That's not what they were expecting. Yeah, but also it allows the manufacturers to put that hybrid nameplate on it, which consumers now are demanding. Yes, and the consumers don't care about what is actually going on under the hood. They want that badge. They want to be able to say, I drive a hybrid. Exactly. This yeah. is South Park all over again. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> there's going to be a cloud of smug. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're going we're gonna to lose the smog. We're going to get smug. And yeah. ho hopefully, if we get the hydrogen future, we'll just have clouds. Yep. Just rain clouds. Yeah. Not even acid rain clouds. <laughs> Man, and with all the fucking wildfires and the wind that's been going on in Colorado, I will welcome some more goddamn rain. Yes. Man. Yeah. I, I'm, I was really happy that we got the snow we got, um, you know, and we've still got fires. Yeah, I mean, it's still dried up. We were supposed to get, I mean, it was supposed to rain and snow today, and it, that changed. Yeah, I'm walking around in sandals. Right? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened. Uh, so one more, actually, I guess there's technically two more good news articles. Um, 
Speaking of internal combustion, speaking of good news, speaking of Japanese cars, the next-gen Civic Type R just set a lap record for front-wheel drive cars at Suzuka Circuit. See, that's, that's really cool. The world makes sense when Honda holds front-wheel drive lap records. Right, yeah, they're supposed to, not when Chevy Cobalts hold it. Right, right, yeah. Chevy <laughs> no, Cobalts have just been dominating the front-wheel drive scene up here. Uh, yeah, no, no offense to uh, our friends of the show that drive Cobalts. Right, yeah, <laughs> Stephen. No, but it just makes sense when Hondas hold these records. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Oh, wait, Aaron's got something. He's raising his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call this out every time. <laughs> Well, uh, I was just going to say the, the fastest, the record holder at Scuba for front wheel drive is still an EK chassis. Still an EK. It, it just reset the front wheel drive record. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly which garage did it. I believe they used a four piston uh, built uh, K like, series. Like a billet motor. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure on the details. Yeah. And ignorance is bliss, but I do love the fact that it is an EK chassis. Right. It still holds the record at Scuba. Which to me is the benchmark of all Japanese tuning. Absolutely, for performance. Yeah, yeah. no, and, I agree. That and that, it's awesome because like, that chassis is now considered like antique, but like that just shows how over-engineered it was in the first place. Right, right. People love to tune those, and you guys are still having trouble getting down to the Honda lap times. Right. <laughs> you and Hamza have to contend with these Hondas every time you do track attack. Yeah, I know. And like that freaking CRX that I, I go against that I keep yeah. talking about that uh well, actually that actually Dom like messaged me the other day. He's like, Stop talking shit about <laughs> the CRX. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh you know, and that's a T series motor. Like it's just the, the yeah. chassis are good. Well and the fact that there were three drivers in that car and they own the podium. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's wild. Ridiculous. Uh but this new Civic Type R, I don't I don't Say what Aaron was talking about. I don't know if this is a production front-wheel drive or if this is just front-wheel drive general. Because, of course, you know, the one that's at Scuba is modified. But um, this is, you know, it's a production car. And honestly, it really looks like they, judging by these photos also, it looks like they're really toning down the styling. Yeah, it's hard to tell with all this camo wrap on it. Or is that just what the paint job looks like? I mean, somebody's going to do that to their car with that red yeah. swirl cam camo. But no, this is just the camo on it. But even then, you can pretty much see what's going on. And it's not nearly as aggressive as the the last Civic Type R we got. Yeah, which it caught a lot of criticism for that. Right. Is it still K20C1 powered? I believe so. I don't believe they really... I, th I think it's more of a mid-refresh. Like, they're refreshing the, the looks and stuff and tuning the suspension, tuning the engine. Uh, but I think underneath it's pretty much the same car. Nice. I mean, that to me looks like a proper like British touring car championship, a court of old almost. You know what I mean? It does. It is. It's. It looks like it does work on the track, and it's 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 kind of understated. And I think that's a much better direction for the styling cues to start going in. Much like what I like that you know out of the TLX and Acura products. So I mean, I'm excited to see more of this specifically. Yeah, I'm excited to see it without camo uh, because I even the uh, little refresh they did to the Type R where they, they got rid of a couple of the scoops the last couple of years. Yeah. I was like, that looks a lot better. Yeah, because it was very boy racer. Yeah, it was like, okay, you have Lamborghini Gallardo fake vents on your back bumper. Like, yeah. we don't We don't need those. Yeah, which I mean, I get what they were doing there because those were the people demanding the Civic Type R the most. Yeah, I suppose you have to, uh, you know, you have to appeal to your your market. Right, but but they weren't the only people who would have bought a Civic Type R, and I feel like they probably alienated some customers by making it so outlandish. Yeah, and I mean, hey, it's still got that big wing on the back. Yeah, but I feel like this might also kind of attract like 
I can see some people cross shopping this with like a BMW or something now, if it's yeah. a little more understated. Right. You yeah, know? absolutely. Like, oh, this has BMW performance. I could drive it in the snow a little better because it's not rear-wheel drive. Your maintenance costs are so much lower. Yeah, and exactly. It's a Honda at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I could see it, which means they can charge the price they need to charge for it and, you know, still keep making them. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, as a, you know, there were people paying $70,000 for these 8th Gen Civic Type R's. Yeah. Which is just absurd. Um, we can't see it, but Aaron's shaking his head. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, that's never what that car was about, should be about. And, and you just think of the people that wound up owning, like even, you know, EK generation type R's, both Civic, Integra, whatever. You still see the occasional old unmolested SI driving around with somebody old in it. You do. It's clearly owned it for, you know, the length of their entire family's, you know, children's generation that... Yeah. They're that old is, is my point. Yeah, you but, see um, stock EP3s with ski racks on them. Yeah, exactly, because they still work well, they function, and they, they, they were sold to a much broader audience who just needed a functional car, but, you know, it would, like, yeah, those Gallardo vents, as soon as you said that, oh, because <laughs> it turned me off completely. I was like, oh, well, I got to go find something else to play with. Yeah, right, yeah, no, the, the, the Civic Type R and the Integra Type R, for that matter, were, you know, a car that you could use every day, and... It, it looks faster, you know, but it's yeah. not, especially the old Civic Type R, like an EK. Yeah. That honestly had a lip and a wing. Yeah. You know, like you couldn't, you had to know what you were looking at to even tell it was a Type R. Yeah, it was, it was understated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those motors, I mean, the B16B. Yeah. I mean, the, it broke a world record. It was the most powerful 1.6 in the world. Right. So here's my question. Uh, our, we go back to the Integra. Are we going to see an Integra Type R? Do you think we're, do you think they're even going to bother? I think they'll make it. I have, um, I don't think they'll get it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they'll use the Type R badge. I'm just not optimistic on how well they will do with the Type R badge. Yeah, that's fair. Um, because the Type S was, you know, well, I guess there is no Integra Type S currently on I mean, the new gen. Uh, I, I may have read something about them making a Type S, but I do not remember if I'm being yeah. honest. And it'll probably just be, you know... A, a trim package. A, a trim package, maybe a little bit, a 10 more horsepower out of that 1.5. Yeah, maybe, if yeah. we're lucky. Because uh, I don't know... Well, yeah, because I guess the SI makes like 10 more horsepower than the, the Civic Turbo. Yeah. But it's the same exact engine. Right, I mean, they can do it with software or an airbox. Right. You know? So I, I'm thinking that we may see that. Um, I, I hope that they do the Type R a service. I hope that, mm -hmm. and I've said this on the podcast before, it's either um, an evolution of the K20C1 mm -hmm. or it is the next thing that replaces the K-Series. Yeah. Um, my, because, th my big thing is it's, it's got to be faster than this now. It's it got to be. It's got to be faster than the Civic. Yeah. In order for the Integra to be the Integra, it has to be faster than the Civic. Right. So what is it? Uh, Two minutes, 23.12 seconds around Suzuka. That's what you have to beat, Acura. Yeah. I'd love to see some more competition between like Acura and Honda, you know, some internal competition. Right, I think that's... friendly competition. Exactly. We're all Honda racing yellow here. Right. This, this seems to me more like, and I think Acura would be better off going this route. The TLX Type S, and I'm going to keep talking about this because it is arguably, if I had to just own one car here, all-wheel drive, 355 horsepower, looks beautiful um i think i would love to see like an accord euro r you know what i mean oh yeah that's i think a good route for acura to go as a luxury brand because let this civic type r be the small fun 
hatchback beater around these circuits like Suzuka. Let it go take down the GTIs of the world. They don't need Honda as a as a parent company or overall doesn't need two things competing at this level, two type R's competing within that same bracket as the DC five did with the you know the FA five type R's and things like that. I think that you let it be maybe that luxury type R so they don't have to compete. It would be nice to see them compete against each other, like you were saying. Yeah. But, I mean, just I think based on who's buying some of these cars now, maybe a TLX Type R slash a Cordero R thing with like 400 horsepower yeah. to go start chasing down some of these M cars, you know, AMGs, yeah. going after bigger fish. Something I, that's like a touring car. Yeah. And, and from a marketing standpoint and an R&D and financial standpoint, that makes a lot more sense. As much as, you know, I... I miss the days, you know, in the 90s when companies would compete against themselves because they came out with so much cool shit. Right. Like, there was at one point you could go to Nissan and buy two completely different twin-turbo inline-six rear-wheel drive cars. Well, V6 and inline-six. Yeah, oh, that's right. There was the, v, the VG30 mm-hmm. and then the RB. Yep. But they, but Hyundai or Honda, uh, Nissan, I've been working <laughs> at Hyundai too long, guys. Right. <laughs> Nissan... You know, they, they made a sequential turbo inline six and they made a bi-turbo V6 and they were on the market at the same time. Right. And I feel like we're kind of past the point where we can we can see that be economically viable. Yeah, because like um, to, to Aaron's point, like uh, I guess, yeah, competing against themselves is kind of shooting themselves in the foot because you're developing, you're putting the production in or R&D in for two different cars that are really appealing to the same crowd. Right. And... Uh, the way today's market is going, sedans don't sell. I mean, the fact is, we have to have a sedan at minimum to sell. You can't right. you can't sell coupes at all. Coupes are hard to sell. Yeah. So if if it's not an SUV, people don't fucking want it. So right. I, I, with the market the way it is, I can yeah I can see Acura moving more upscale, competing with the Euros more, and Honda doing this the the small affordable race car. Right. Even though I I love eating the member berries and. And remembering the 90s. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't eat the member berries. <laughs> uh, all right. One last thing to talk about. I think we're going to wrap up here because we got to talk about some more religion of speed stuff after this. Yeah. Some, uh, some big stuff. We have a real meeting. Right? This yeah. is weird. We're like professionals now. Uh, no, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, a while back, I, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Remember that guy in Germany that drove the, uh, the Bugatti? Uh, on the Autobahn and did a 257-mile-an-hour run. Wow, he's like a, he's a Czech Smoky Nagata. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, the video went around. There was a bunch of people going like, oh, this is dangerous, you know. Uh, and apparently the, the German government looked into it because they're like, because you can, there's no speed limit on the Autobahn, but if you're being reckless, they right. can still get you. Uh, well, I'm happy to say that the German government said, no, he's fine. That's awesome. So you can drive safely, according to the German government, at 257 miles an hour. There's a way to do it. Right. Uh, they pretty much said, um, you know, he chose the right time of day and the right section to do it on. If he was going to do it, he made sure everything was as safe as possible and we're not going to press charges. God, I, I love that the German government does that. Right? I'm like, that. That even in America, even if they said there's no speed limit, they'd you'd go do something like that. They'd be like, we, that's not what we meant. Right. You know, no, we're, you're going to jail now. Yeah, yeah. They'll find a reason to throw you in jail. Right. The German's like, nope, he followed the law. Right. And he was responsible. So, because uh, people were kind of uh, worried when the German government said they were looking into this. They're like, ah, shit, this is where we lose 
the Autobahn. Right. You know, this is the slippery slope. This is the top of the slope. Right. This is where they impose a, even if it's a 150 mile an hour speed limit, you know, it's like, fuck, now there's a speed limit on the Autobahn. The, right. the road that's never had a speed limit. Well, yeah. that's not a lie. There's only certain sections of the Autobahn that don't, doesn't have a speed limit. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear the German government's like, as long as you, you know, and this is the way it should be, as long as you're doing it smart right. and safe and not being stupid, you're fine. Which means that in the future, we can do a religion of speed speed run. Oh, yeah, for sure. A religion of speed run. Yes. On, on the Autobahn. <laughs> I mean, I have to go to Germany sometime. We, we got to run the Autobahn. We got to go to... The ring. The ring, yeah. Yeah. So, at, at some point. Um, Life goals. The only, only thing I will say is if you've seen the video of this guy doing this, this top speed run, uh, the fact that he's in, like, full flame retardant racing suit without a helmet or racing gloves on... <laughs> Uh, and at the end, him and all of his friends are standing around their super rich cars praying to God. I'm just like, oh, could you be any more of a fucking tool? Yeah, that's, to that's do this? pretty horrible. I'm just picturing if he had wrecked that his torso would be perfectly fine, but his <laughs> face and hands would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the super there's a person in the passenger seat just wearing t shirt and jeans. Oh, that's, yeah, that's hilarious. So he's literally just wearing it like, oh, this is my uniform. Right. Yeah. And I think he was the only one in the prayer circle that was wearing a racing, racing suit. Everybody else was just like, it just like, God will protect us oh, from flames. It, it just goes to show you, like, just because you have money. Doesn't mean you actually like earned it or are very smart or not a tool. In fact, most people are that rich are tools. Capitalism most. is a is a game. It's not an IQ test. It's very true. Um, but hey, at least at least he didn't ruin the autobahn for us. That's true, and he set an amazing legal precedent. I just I, the only thing the only I only have one takeaway from this article, and you're gonna groan, but it's that nine times out of ten. Speeding is not an issue on the Autobahn. And I'll let you figure that out. Nine times out of ten. Nine times. Oh, okay. God oh, damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, there you go. There we got there. There's the groan. <laughs> Nine. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. All right. Well, moving on from that. Jesus. <laughs> Aaron is a stand-up comedian. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you, no, you that. keep it. Yeah. You keep it. You live with your choices. Yeah. <laughs> this is an improv, is it? Well, I guess it is, kind of. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and. Yeah, it's very improv y. Uh, so uh, let's go down the docket, make sure we covered everything. Covered Iggy is at the church now. And uh, there's only one other thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, Religion Speed podcast is now available on Facebook Podcasts and Reason.fm. Okay. Uh, it's just some more ways to listen, you know? If, yeah. Wherever you want to listen, we're going to be there. So, uh, there's so many freaking podcast sites. There these really days. are. Yeah. You want to know what's funny is, you know, the dollop, the podcast we listen to, Audible edits out some episodes. You can't find them on Audible. Really? Though the Ronald Reagan episodes are not available on Audible, but I can find them on Radio Public. Weird. Yeah. I mean, I listen to pretty much all my podcasts on Spotify just because I, this is what I use. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's weird. I wonder, I wonder if there's a reason for that. I'm not sure if it's because of the political content or if maybe Patton Oswald and Audible don't get along. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, um, I don't know. That, that, that's interesting. There's, there's so many weird things behind the scenes of podcasts, of rights and yeah. weird shit like that. So it, or, or it could be 
they just forgot to upload them to Audible. Maybe. Maybe and, they forgot to upload those episodes to Audible. Right. And it's been so long, they're just like, ah, whatever. We're not, yeah. not going to bother with that now. Did you hear the Behind the Bastards episode on, on Kissinger? I did not. No, yeah, I haven't listened to that They got the dollop guys yeah. in on it. Yeah, because I, I, they advertised that on the dollop, and I was going to listen to it, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, there's almost too many people talking. Yeah. There's like I mean, seven people talking. Yeah, that, that's too much. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling when we do the uh, crew cast next week or next podcast uh, with four people, that's going to be hard enough to, like... I mean, three sounds pretty good. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good. I think, yeah. I think four is about maximum you can get before it starts just getting too crowded. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll crowd it up and... Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll play oh, around. It'll be like the 9-11, incremental progress, and if we make a mistake, we just back off a little bit. Oh, geez, I thought you were going to make a 9-11 joke oh, for a no. second there. I've <laughs> 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 been hanging around you too long, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for our podcast today. Uh, as usual, if you want to follow up on anything we talked about, uh, religionspeed.com, you can find the show notes there. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at religionspeed.co. Uh, we have not done TikTok. We're not doing TikTok as far as I am concerned. We are not TikTokers. I am going to be 35 this year. I am too old for TikTok. You're too old for You're not going to do TikTok dances? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, hopefully, we'll have our little promo video of the garage up on the YouTube channel here soon. Soon? Yes. Before the next episode of the podcast drops, there will be a video in between. Okay. Awesome. So we will have, you'll get to see some of what we're seeing currently. Um, and I think that just leaves one last thing. We'd like to thank the band Wheels for the use of our theme song, Colors, off the album Traveler Part 1. You can find them at wheelstheband at bandcamp.com. Awesome. Well, this was a great one, guys. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us on the couch. Hopefully next time you don't have to yell. Uh, <laughs> and until next time, heretics, peace out. <laughs>